Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Tully. I'm joined today by Ben and Cody. And uh, we are on Tuesday. I guess today would be the, what is it, boys, the 15th of September. Uh, we are but two nights away from the Louisville game. And um, before we get started, we've had a few questions of uh, what we what we drink when we record here. So I guess we can go around the horn. Cody, what are you sipping on? So I got Lagunitas IPA, one of the best IPA beers in my opinion. Yeah, I got a Goose Island IPA. It's out of Chicago, and then I also got this little glass of bourbon here that Telly just poured us, you know, in uh, in spirit uh, because we're playing Louisville. That's right. Uh, got to honor our hosts. L- sipping on some Bullet Bourbon here, nothing fancy, and um, I am drinking an Anchor Brewery from out here in San Francisco. They make a California Lager. It's pretty good. With that, uh, boys, let's get into our Week Three preview. Um, Maybe even before we get to that, just a quick recap of where Clemson is um, in the polls. Now we sit at 2-0. I think we started the year um, right around 13th, I believe, nationally. And uh, right now we're at number 11 in the AP, number 9 in the coaches. So good to see us move up both on the strength of our wins and how we've shown thus far this season, but then just what's gone on above us. So you all may remember last week when we talked, um, the SEC had... A, a record 10 teams in the top 25 after the carnage last weekend three of those teams uh got the heave ho now they're down to seven i'm not really sure if auburn or mizzou belong in the top 25 either they probably should have five teams in that 25 but um notable for us anyway beyond the, the sec chatter that we're all subject to um has to do with the other teams that we're going to play on the schedule that are still still out there um notre dame despite losing quarterback malik zaire and having a real scare against unranked and overmatched Virginia didn't move down in the polls at all. In fact, they even inched up a couple of spots. So we'll see how that plays out when they play Georgia Tech this week. But I personally think Notre Dame probably should have taken a step back just like Auburn did by barely squeaking by a lesser opponent. Yeah, I mean, I've got a few natural problems, I guess, that probably most people have with the polls. I mean, okay, yeah, Notre Dame, they lost their starting quarterback. How do you keep them there or bump them up to number eight, really? If you're going to bump Auburn down for losing a game or for, for winning a game, bump them down that far, um, you're going to bump, you're going to move Notre Dame up for losing their starting quarterback. Um, I mean, they barely beat Virginia, and then they use that as a reason to jump UCLA out of nowhere up to number 10 ahead of us. What sense does that make? So uh, there's some issues with this poll. I, I think Georgia's overrated. I don't think they should be there. I think uh, Southern Cal is going to drop off eventually. Maybe not because of who else they play in the Pac-12, but especially Notre Dame and UCLA. There's some contradictions with how they got there, but the season will play out, and it'll take care of itself. I mean, our game against, well, Notre Dame against Georgia Tech this weekend, and then our game against Notre Dame, things should be settled after that, and we'll be ahead of them. Yeah, and the only thing I can think of is that after the SEC West had such a poor showing in the uh, in, during bowl season last year, every, almost I think all of the, all the teams lost, Kind of we're seeing that in the first week again. I mean, the SEC, again, we talked a little bit about parity last week. 
I'm not saying the SEC is the ACC now. I mean, they're definitely probably the superior, probably the best conference around college football. But it's but, by a small margin. Yeah, the, that margin is definitely narrowing for sure. Well, and there's the haves and have-nots. They, they're very, you know, when they're good, the top teams are, are elite and they're great programs. But you can't tell me every team in that SEC West is, you know, would beat every every other number one team in every other conference. There's no way. Well, I'll say this right now. There's only two SEC teams in the top ten right now, which when's the last time that happened? And uh, Only one belongs there, and that's Alabama. It's not Georgia. Yeah, especially not after, you know, struggling to beat Vanderbilt. So, anyway, enough there. Um, we, you know, this continue to be fluid throughout the year. I think there are a number of good matchups this weekend that will definitely shake up the polls, so we'll keep a close eye. Um, but I guess the big one we care about this week, Thursday night, uh, the Tigers head into uh, Papa John's Cardinal Stadium in Louisville. Uh, it'll be our first time playing there, actually, since Louisville's joined the ACC just last season. Um, so, you know, it's our turn, basically, to head out, head out to their, their place. Um, as, a, as for our opponent, Louisville, despite ha- having some hype, they're kind of a, a sexy pick to, you know, if not um, compete for an ACC Atlantic division title, at least make some noise. Um, they started 0-2 for the first time since 1998. They had some close losses. You could say close. I think they looked um, outgunned in both of those games against Auburn to start the year down in Atlanta. And then last week they hosted Houston, um, upstart Houston team, definitely athletic, a lot of weapons. So Louisville starts 0-2, um, you know, not the way they wanted to start their year. A lot of people penciled them in for about eight wins. So they're definitely going to look to bounce back. I mean, this is where they start league play. It's where we start league play. You know, it's kind of a whole new season for both teams right now. Um, so, yeah, I think just going in right now, like, they're not in a good way, but they desperately need this win. Well, and that's the thing. Like, this is a, a huge game for them now in a much different way than it looked coming into the season. Uh, coming into the season, they they were looking at themselves at worst one and one, at best two and zero with a win over an SEC team that was predicted by a lot of people to win the national championship this year. So they were possibly looking to come into this game two and zero, beat a Clemson team, and then you're sitting you know high with a good chance of uh, going to the ACC championship game, and the, making the college football playoff. Now they're reeling at zero and two. A loss in this game, and their season is done for all intents and purposes. I mean, at 0-2, they're definitely not making the playoff now. They still have an opportunity to win the ACC. They lose to, to us on Thursday. Their season's over. So that's a lot of motivation for them to come into this game. Now, whether that motivation is enough to overcome, I think, the lack of talent that they have, we'll just have to see how it plays out. I think a better or bigger question might be how the fans will react to this and what how they'll they'll come out and you know will they be as intense? I know you saw Ryan Cantor had some exchanges on Shaking the Southland with the Card Chronicle, one of Louisville's main uh, media outlets. So they had a little back and forth, and he said his ticket is now a third of what he bought it for. Really? So it just lets you know, or yeah, he bought it and now the it's valued at a third of of what it was when he originally bought it. So. The idea being, a ticket's very easy. You know, they've probably lost a lot of that momentum. The, the fan base is no, not as passionate. Will we see that? Will it be ref, you know reflective of you know kind of the showing, and um, will it rub off on the uh, on the team on the defense? I think it will. I, I expect it to be a very hyped atmosphere, and I think that's where. And we'll get into obviously the predictions and how we think the game's going to go. But it's really important for those Louisville fans that are there um, that we can kind of shut them up early with our play on the field. 
not let them get into it. It's going to be a blackout game for them. Uh, they always get hyped up for that. Apparently, yeah, yeah. What sense does that make? A blackout game at night. The how players you, really like it. But how are you going to see them? It's blackout game at night. It's going to be like nobody's there. By the fourth quarter, when we're up by 20 points, 20, 30 points, it's really be nobody there. I think their seats are red, so you might notice. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, again, I, I do expect the fans to bring it. You know, everyone talks about it's bourbon country, right? They, they can tailgate and catch up quick. It's a night game, sure, but um, liquor's quicker, right? So I think they're going to be amped up. And again, be nice to keep them quiet right out of the gates. So guys, let's let's jump in. Let's take a look at Louisville's offense and see what we can expect on that side of the ball. Um, just to tee us up here, uh, really they've got, they have yet to put uh, Bobby Petrino's pro-style offense into play, really put that together. This is his second tour of duty at Louisville. It's his second season. He's got some of his recruits around right now. Um, but really, I think for a number of reasons, they're struggling with an identity on offense at the moment. The big reason for that, there's not a clear starting quarterback. There's not a clear lead quarterback uh, for Louisville. Um, just to you know, break down, they actually have really a, a carousel of four quarterbacks that they could be, not necessarily that we'll see, but that they could be, could see some playing time this season. Um, the guy who emerges as a starter in the Auburn game, and you know, everyone thought was gonna be their 2015 quarterback, uh, sophomore Reggie Bonifon ended up having a pretty terrible first half against Auburn. They couldn't move the ball at all with, under his leadership. And um, he provided sort of a, a zone read, um, kind of a dual threat quarterback option for them. He was replaced by true freshman Lamar Jackson in the second half of the Auburn game. Um, Jackson, again, is kind of that dual threat, probably a better athlete, I think, than Bonifon. And, um, you know, despite going 9 of 20 in that Auburn game with an interception, he racked up quite a quite a bit of running, and I think he he is a great athlete. They named him as the starter for that second game against Houston, and he really couldn't get much going in that game. Then they flipped to their third guy, Kyle Bolin. He gives you more of a traditional quarterback look, maybe in that Bobby Petrino pro-style offense, sort of a pocket passer. Um, and we'll talk about what we what we know about him. Um, he played a good bit in the Houston game. You know, showed some stabilities, showed some signs of life but he still turned the ball over three times. So those are the three guys that have played this year. Their fourth player, uh, redshirt junior, Will Gardner. He was last year's starter. He was out for the year with a knee injury. He hasn't really sniffed the depth chart that much this year. Clearly he would be the fourth guy on that, that pecking order. So, you know, all of the Louisville outlets, they're not even sure who's going to go this week. Bobby Petrino did not make mention of that in his latest uh, press conference. But uh, I think the smart money is on them giving um, Lamar Jackson, the fleet-footed freshman, um, a shot this week. Yeah, so here's the thing. Uh, I'll say this about their quarterback situation. They have four guys who have played significant time in significant games. Uh, but I don't think that's saying much. I mean, it's more than what Clemson has, for sure, because we have one guy who's done that. But... They don't have anybody that really wows you. It really stands out. They have four, right now, average quarterbacks. I mean, they resorted to Lamar Jackson, the freshman, who nobody was talking about coming in to the beginning of the year, um, to really bring them back against Auburn. And then I think that was still kind of a fluke. Yeah, he had over 100 yards passing, over 100 yards rushing. But the passing, his stats, he was less than 50% completion percentage. Right. I think that was more of the fact that Auburn was not prepared for a running 
well, a quarterback that runs the way he runs. Um, they do more read option with Bonifon or Jackson under center than, let's say, the more pro style, what Petrino's used to with, with Bowling on the field. I think Lamar Jackson is a, a different guy than Bonifon, and he probably has a higher upside. But that being said, I think Auburn just... It was a different quarterback in the mix. We've seen Clemson have problems with this in the past. So I think that was more a result from that. And with Houston having time to prepare for the quarterback that he is, he really came into that game looking like the freshman that he is. So yeah, they've got four guys who have played significant minutes and significant games, but nobody that stands out. And honestly, none of these guys scare me. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see how uh, Lamar Jackson, if he is the guy that they, they choose to go to in this game, how his athleticism will uh, be counter, uh, or how we'll, how we'll respond to his athleticism. Tip, traditionally, we haven't done such a great job of that. Um, but we have a very disruptive interior line. We Our defensive ends, so up to this point, look great. And, and I want to see what we can get out of the linebackers in terms of speed. I think that's the one area where they'll be tested. We'll go into a little bit more depth. But can they, can they uh, run down these more fleet-footed quarterbacks? And we'll see that with Lamar Jackson. Well, and my question is, is it... Is it even going to get to the point where he can get to that second level? Or, and maybe we can move on to talk about their O-line, or are we just going to get penetration into that backfield right away, disrupt what they want to do as passers? Um, even if Lamar Jackson wants to run the ball, is he going to even have that chance, or are we going to be in his backfield? Well, yeah, and I totally agree. I, I think if they do decide to go with him in this game, it's maybe more for a fact that they think it was just kind of home jitters having the starting job before he expected to. He was relied on a lot just to run in the Auburn game, and that was successful. It's a different animal when you actually have to get back there and throw the ball, right? It's, it's much more unnerving than it is taking off and running with it if that's your number one natural instinct. I don't think he's going to be able to run all over the field against us. I think we easily be able to, not easily, but we will be able to manage and contain him. That means they're going to have to open up the the passing game, and can they do that against us? Can Lamar Jackson, who hasn't proven to be a great passer thus far, throw against our our secondary? I don't think so. So they may start him. I see Bolin coming into this game at some point, and for that reason, we're going to have to prepare for both. We saw Mark Ennis. That's the guy from the Card Chronicle that had some exchanges with Ryan Cantor. He's worried that if Kyle Bolin is the guy at any point, that that's a bad thing because he has no mobility, or not at least the mobility that, that um, Jackson has. So very interesting if, if we can actually knock Jackson out of the game. But you're right, you're right, Tully, going back to what you said, if we can be so disruptive in terms of defensive tackles, getting penetration in the ba- into their backfield to where they can't do anything, making him try to turn to what, the passing game where it's not where he's you know really a proficient, that's not, not his expertise. Yeah, then bring Kyle Bullen in. Let's see what you got. But, I mean, it seems like the offensive line for Louisville is such a huge concern at this point that uh, we're going to make life very difficult, especially for Bullen more so than Jackson. But it, I think what we're getting at is there are probably a couple of Clemson names that could be key players of this game. If you hear Scott Pagano, Christian Wilkins, Shaq Lawson's name being referenced a lot with their quarterback, you know, shaking it off and picking himself up off the ground, that's going to be that's going to bode well for us, you know, getting more three and outs that we've come to expect the first couple of games of the year. So I guess my question is, I mean, Lamar Jackson, he's one TD and three interceptions passing on the season. So obviously not a great stat. Do we see some type of 
of dual quarterback system come out of this game where you have your running quarterback and your passing quarterback. It's situational. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's something that we may see. Uh, Bobby Trino has not named a starter for this game. Uh, I think he knows who his starter is, obviously. And, it, you know, it's just gamesmanship not to announce that, and I totally understand it. My prediction is I, I think we see both because, honestly, I don't think one guy can do everything they need to do to beat our defense, which, by the way, is a really good defense from what we've seen so far. It'll be the first test, really, too, I think, for some of our, our secondary um, to, to really have a chance to show out. You, you talked about stacking the box and being aggressive to really just take their will, kind of like we did against Appalachian State. I don't I don't expect a whole lot in the passing game from Louisville, but it's the it's it's first chance they'll get a little bit of a test. Um, and then on top of that, can we can we get penetration back there? Can we throw some blitzes at them and prove that hey, we are a top fifteen defense? Yeah, I, w- I would like to see us be aggressive early and try to disrupt anything they're trying to do, knowing that they're kind of in this trying to find their way mode of not really it's an identity crisis of what their offense wants to be. I think from a perspective of where could Clemson be exposed or what where are they going to try to get, make their bones on offense? I think it's going to be in two areas, both in the same zone of the field, and that's you know quick hit passes, um, either you know timing patterns or right off the line, um, not give our pass rush a time to really disrupt and get in the backfield, um, and relying on their uh, seemingly capable tight end, six foot four Mickey Crum. He had 100 yards against Houston. He may be their best receiving weapon overall on this offense. Um, do we defend well against the tight end? Let's see. And I think this is where we will miss the likes of Corin Wiggins, who could come in in the nickel and really defend against a lot of that kind of quick, quick pass situation. Might stress our linebackers. We might need to see, again, Cody, you made the point of our secondary. How's our depth look there? Our guys are going to get tested, and what do we see? Yeah, and particularly uh, Cordero Tankersley, who I think he's the one guy that we don't— of our secondary, who we look like we have three NFL players now, Talking about obviously Jaron Curse, McKenzie Alexander, and now TJ Green, who's right. just been a stud. Yep. What is Tankersley bringing to the table? Uh, he had a couple of like missed assignments, nothing you know too crazy, but in obviously not much you can really take from Walford because they run a triple option. But now, yeah, for one, in in coverage, how are our linebackers are going to be tested a little bit if you know with their with their tight end. Um, but yeah, in the passing game, how are they going to get off? Um, not just cover in the passing game. How are they going to get off their their blocks? and go up and make open field tackles. Can they bring that level of physicality that we saw last year? Gary Peters really stepped up. Can Tinkersley be that same physical presence opposite McKenzie Alexander? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think our point of weakness in this game that they may try to pick on is certainly Tinkersley and then, again, our linebackers in coverage. What can they do with with their tall tight end? And also, they've got some rather tall wide receivers. They're, we're looking at some 6'3", 6'4", guys. So they stack up well. It gets against us, at least from that point of view, but they are young. They're young for the wide receiver position. And from the linebacker point of view, can we cover? I think that's something that we haven't, we, we don't know yet. It just, they haven't been tested, so we're still unsure of. And I think that's definitely, if they're going to look at anything, I don't think they're going to run well against us. I don't think they're going to be able to throw deep against us. I think those throws over the middle of the field or quick passes, screens in the flat is going to be where, if they do have any success, that's their best opportunity. Clearly in the first few weeks, we mentioned it a couple of times, they've had a number of interceptions and fumbles. 
I think continuing to turn the ball over against them is going to be critical for us. First of all, to keep that crowd out of the, out of the game overall, um, especially early on to get a pick to stymie one of their long drives would be great for us. Um, but also, I mean, they lost both of those games by fairly short margins while turning the ball over and making tons of mistakes. So if, you know, again, I think Clemson's a much better offense than both Auburn and uh, Houston, but still it's, you know, those games were closer, maybe closer than, uh, you know, they would have been if without turning the ball over. Yeah. I'll tell you this though. If, if Clemson has a, whatever it was, a 24 point lead against Louisville at any point in the game, Louisville's not coming back. Like they're, they're not going to do the same thing it did against Auburn. I can guarantee you that because Clemson's defense is just way too good for that. And Clemson's defense is also not Houston and their offense is not Houston. They're better in both aspects of the game. So that was a close game for Louisville at home. I expect that margin to be even wider against us. Yeah, and they have nothing to hide. Everything has been exposed. They've, they've shown their hand. We've seen the tape. We've had access to it. Um, one quick prediction. I mentioned it to you guys just a second ago, but I think Mackenzie Alexander gets his first interception. You talked about turnovers, Tully. I think Mackenzie Alexander, this will be the game that he'll, he'll get his first interception. I mean, a corner that good can't go but so long without getting an interception, and I hope this is the, this is the game. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Do you think it's a pick six? Uh, Are you gonna right. go bold? <laughs> he's got some. He's got some wiggle. He can run. He could return punts if he wanted to. So I'm gonna say no. I want to say no, but I'd love to see a pick six by by Mac. All right. So I think definitively we're saying our defense overmatches their offense. Um, let's hope we can get them off the field on third down, cause some disruption, cause some turnovers, keep time of possession on our side, and shut their damn crowd up. Do we think they run at all? From what I can tell, there hasn't really been a proving running game. That being said, they played from behind the first couple weeks. Right. They do have a returning junior, Brandon Radcliffe, there. Um, I don't know too much there, but they, they averaged something like 2.7 yards per carry so far. So it's inconsistent. Inconsistent. You can chalk that up to their O-line, I think. Um, and just the... We haven't touched too much on some of the names there in the O-line. But, um, yeah, ultimately, I think the... The fact that they have three brand new starters means they've got issues in that running game with consistency, communication, um, and just playing on the same page. I don't think going up against a Pagano, a Wilkins, and then having all kinds of pressure elsewhere is going to lend itself to them finding their footing. No, I mean, this is probably the best D-line they're going to see all year. I mean, Auburn may have a staunch defensive line, whatever. I know Clemson does it well as well, and... We had the number one defense in the country last year. I know those guys haven't returned, but again, we like we talked about, we've, we've reloaded. So I, I will say this is the best defensive line that they will have seen all year, and that's going to cause trouble for that offensive line, not only in the running game, but in the passing game as well. Yeah, they're going to, I mean, I think you're right. Auburn actually does have a really good defensive line. Um, maybe not as good as ours, well, maybe a little bit better, I don't know, but... Uh, I don't. They, they don't have the secondary that we have too. So, and I don't know if they have the the mean linebackers that we have. So, uh, it's going to be a test. And we know we know everything again. We know everything that they can bring to the table. Uh, I think Brent Venables is going to have a little something for them in terms of uh, you know probably sending some blitzes and really just kind of making their offensive lines as stressed as possible throughout the game. Well, that that's that on the uh, the Louisville's offensive side. When when we're on offense, when they they've got their defense on the field. That unit is coached by, by um, defensive coordinator Todd Grantham. 
Clemson fans may remember him from our kickoff victory against Georgia in 2013. Um, any Georgia fans listening, we're pretty happy to see him uh, get the exit, get the boot. Uh, and Grantham has been, he came over with Bobby Petrino last year. Uh, they've had a bit of a tough skid the last five games, um, letting really letting opponents put up in the upper 20s and 30s point range. They played some pretty solid teams in that stretch, Florida State, Notre Dame, uh, a rejuvenated Kentucky team. They played Georgia in a bowl game, um, and they obviously started the year with Auburn, but then they played Houston. So to allow you know those types of scores in the 20s, 30s, even 40s um, against those types of teams might be expected, but not with an elite defense. And Louisville definitely had one of the top defenses in the country a year ago. They were actually ranked number six um, last year. Clemson was number one. But they've lost several starters. Um, they were one of the most drafted teams in the league last year, a lot of which came on defense. Um, they also had an awesome wide receiver last year who's no longer with the team. So, um, yeah, a lot of turnover here. Similar for Clemson, I don't think Louisville's enjoyed as much of the success that we have um, early, early out of the gates. So I'll say this. I think their number six ranking on defense last year was more a product of their schedule than it was their actual talent level on defense. I think they were a little bit overrated. And I think Georgia, in the their bowl game against Georgia, they were exposed a little bit. And you'll see the difference here between Clemson and Louisville. Louisville had the number six ranked defense last year. They're not doing very well this year. Clemson had the number one ranked defense last year. We're ahead of schedule from where we were last year. We're actually ranked number 10 when you break it down with the advanced stats. I think it's called the S&P index. Nothing to do with the uh, financial standard and poor is 500. But um, anyway, to see us come out of the season ranked number 10 in, in advanced metrics, right. But I strong. think the actual numbers through our first two games, granted, we didn't play at Georgia to start off the season this year, but we are ahead of schedule. And just even being on track or close to being on track tells you that we just have, we have the talent to step up. And we were legitimately ranked number one last year. I think they were overranked based on their schedule. It is how it shook out. And they don't have the guys to fill those the shoes from everybody they lost. I think it's, yeah, maybe number six was overrated for them. To expect them to come back and, and repeat that, um, they would need to have the recruiting, which just isn't there for a program like Louisville. Right. You know, Bobby Petrino's back. That's good. I think what they have done, which, you know, we'll applaud here is, They've actually brought in a bunch of high-profile transfers. Um, they brought in DeMonte Fields from Texas Christian. He was a former Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year um, as a freshman. He was let go from the TCU team under allegations of domestic violence. Um, he's Right now he's playing in um, an outside linebacker role in their 3-4 scheme. They've also transferred a couple of guys from Georgia, presumably who used to play for Todd Grantham, um, one guy, if you remember, there's an Auburn game, uh, Josh Harvey Clemens. He's a secondary player, basically was involved in, I believe they called it the miracle on the plains. Um, but basically it was, a, it was a Hail Mary pass to end the game. This is actually the game before the kick six, um, or might've been right after. Anyway, um, basically the final play of the game, he got involved in breaking up a pass ended up bouncing off his chest and into the arms of a waiting Auburn receiver. He's playing for Louisville now um, after being let go by Georgia. And then Shaq Wiggins also transferred in from Georgia. Uh, so both of these guys, you know, hope to boost a secondary that was definitely the weak link on that number six defense. Whether they'll present 
an issue for Clemson, who has such a deep roster of wide receivers, remains to be seen. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not so worried about the secondary. Shaq Wiggins and Josh Harvey Clemens came in out of high school as highly touted guys. We actually recruited, I think, I think both of them, and missed out on them to, to Georgia, which obviously wasn't a bad thing because they didn't last there very long. But what worries me is their front seven. I think this is probably, and like you said, Ben, they're not who they were last year. Maybe they were a little overranked last year, but their front seven is very solid and probably one of the most physical, physically imposing front sevens we'll see all year. In a 3-4 scheme, something that I don't think we'll, we'll see again this year, something a little unique. So it'll be, it'll be a test. And I think, uh, for one, can we get any push? Uh, will they get pressure on on Deshaun Watson? What what's what's I mean, there's a lot of questions. What's Wayne Gallman going to bring to the table against, you know, obviously by far the best defense we've seen so far. Yeah, and I would I yeah I would agree with that. I, I think our biggest concern on the offensive side of the ball, and we saw this develop last week, is going to be our offensive line play. I wasn't with you guys for the uh, Appalachian uh, State recap, but I'll say this: the one thing that I took from that game is that we could be in trouble on the offensive line. We really could. Uh, it wasn't for, for playing a team like Appalachian State. I expected a lot more. I wanted to see us build off of what we saw in the Wofford game. I think this is a position group that will cost us a game sometime this season. It's I don't think it's going to be this game, and unless but unless I see anything different against the best front seven that we faced all year, then it's going to continue to be a concern for me. And I, I I'm. Honestly, I think that this is where our one or two losses builds into our schedule is on the offensive line. I mean, I would, I, I would probably agree with that. What I'll say, though, is with an up-tempo offense, we've talked about this a lot, and Oregon it holds true for them, a lot of times you can offset a, an average, maybe above average, I don't know where exactly we are, but you can offset that weakness with an up-tempo offense, yeah. right? But... I guess where where we where the added element or the I guess the caveat there is you have to add something in addition to that whether it be the deep game which Deshaun Watson can do maybe a running quarterback which we've seen with Auburn with Nick Marshall and Cam Newton I I haven't seen like that added element of uh, the the read option with with Deshaun Watson they don't want to run him so I think right. that really keeps the 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 defense on their heels but they know where the ball's going well I think what Ben you're saying is Regardless of how we do against Louisville, for the season, this is a this is a big question mark for us still. Yeah, yeah. Re- regardless of Louisville, but and then I'll I'll also say this. Yeah, I understand that the up tempo style of offense can kind of cover these flaws, but we've had some uh, suspect offensive lines in the past and in the recent past, and we've had a very mobile quarterback, running quarterback, and Taj Boyd, who could also throw the deep ball to some really great wide receivers. And we've had really good running backs and suspect offensive lines. And we have we come out of a regular season undefeated? No. And exactly. I think that would. Uh, there's a lot of reasons. We can't go. We can't go into that right now. But yeah, you're right. And often it probably comes down to offensive line. Let's just say this: well, if we have, we've had Alabama's offensive line over those, you know, that 2011 to 2000. And, and 14 or 13 stretch, we probably would have been playing in a national championship game at some point. Well, let's maybe keep it back with Louisville here, and let's let's talk about what we know. Uh, apparently, thus far this year, they've been susceptible to two types of types of offensive plays in particular. Number one, quick, quick screens. 
and I can think of at least three tigers. <laughs> we that, don't run those. <laughs> I can think of at least three tigers that could be prominently involved in that type of play. There's your game plan. Um, secondly, tackling physical running backs. And Gallman has surprisingly stepped up into that role. He's no Todd Gurley, but he's looked great up to this point. I mean, that run against App State where he leveled that guy on the goal line, I mean, that's, that's promising. And honestly, that's what I want to see. We've had the talented uh, running backs that can juke you uh, and Ellington, Spiller. I want Gallman could be what I hope Jamie Harper would be, is a guy who will just run you over. And he's running more north-south this year, keeping his pads low, and just hitting the holes and hitting people. And it's, it's really refreshing to see, and I hope he keeps it up. Yeah, exactly. And what's going to get him going is actually hitting, hitting holes that have been provided by his offensive line. Um, I think the guard play has been a little bit questionable so far, especially in the run. But that's something that be, can be coached up. Um, one thing we haven't mentioned yet, center Ryan Norton, uh, starting center for us, he's a senior, apparently has an MCL sprain that he suffered on Monday during practice. Might have been also a, a compound injury from previous. He, he's carted off the field a couple of times this, thus both, far this both season. Games, yeah. Both games, yeah. So Ryan Norton's not going to go for us. Gia Guillermo, very capable backup, uh, will be starting. But that is going to give me some fits and, and test our depth quite a bit. Well, but I, I think not only a capable backup, I think this is the moment where Jay Guillermo comes in and takes over the starting role, to be honest with you. It's not Jay Guillermo that I'm worried about. I mean, we saw what Ryan Norton did with all those bad snaps last week. Guillermo had a couple himself, but mm. Ryan Norton's was very alarming. We've talked about it before. Jay Guillermo has the better potential at this position. I think it was only a matter of time before he naturally overtook him this year. I think this gives him the window to come in and play well and take over that position. For me, it's not my worry about him it's uh, in his, his playing ability. My worry becomes what happens if he goes down. Yeah, which that would bring in Justin Fascinelli, a redshirt freshman. I was just trying to make you say his name. Yeah, I don't know if I'm pronouncing <laughs> that correctly. Like we always say, Fascinelli. we never Fascinelli. <laughs> I believe it's pronounced. Thank you, Natalia. Yeah, you got it. But we... Actually, we've heard good reviews about him. I think he could be a good player for us long term, but we don't want him in the bright lights in Papa John's Stadium uh, having to go up against uh, their their nose tackle. Um, that's not a great first way to you know to really break you in. So well, not just that he's he's calling out assignments right on the offensive line, and is is he ready for that? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's scary. I, if Ryan Norton again, him going out not such a big deal. I'd like him to be the backup, but. We wish him a speedy recovery because we at least need him in there for depth. No, I mean, we certainly want it back. And he, yeah, I'm not saying we're glad to see him go down so Jake Guillermo can get the start. Absolutely not. We need him in there. Um, it, between him and Guillermo, that needs to be our two deep. And those guys are going to work hand-in-hand hand all year to help lead this offensive line with some young guys that are inexperienced in the one and two deep. Um, just to step up and help this group gel. So in terms of keys for our offense, guys, I think it will absolutely be, let's exploit the two areas of uh, coverage that they haven't really been able, they've been capable of that we personally see as strengths for our offense. Let's get Wayne Gallman going. Um, in addition, let's, let's really open up the playbook a bit to get some of the quick screens, maybe some jet sweeps to um, Artavis Scott, et cetera, going. And continue to see if Sharon Pete can step into Mike Williams' big shoes. 
Yeah, I think that's a good a good thought. Let's like I think it's going to be a lot of uh, just kind of quick passes, keeping them honest, not letting their their defense get a lot of penetration, and we can do that through screen passes. I think we we mentioned a little bit in the recap from Appalachian State was the tight ends, their involvement, getting Jordan Leggett and Garrett Williams a little bit more involved on those like underneath routes, maybe a little bit up the middle. Um, things where we can allow Deshaun Watson just to, to get the ball fairly quickly, the way you'll see Peyton Manning, who tries to offset set the blitz, and, and he's, he's calling audibles you know, on the professional level, but similar concept, just get the ball uh, away really quickly and then start to keep the defense honest and open yourself up for the deep game and, and, and the run game as well. Well, we're going to really open up the playbook this game, at least as much as needed. I think we've yeah. seen some articles come out this week that we've ran maybe north of 10 just north of 10 plays on offense so far this year. Yeah. The playbook is going to completely open up the, uh, for this game, and we're going to see a lot of different formations and a lot of different play calls. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm still as confident about us easily winning this game as I was the first two. That based off of what I saw, I've seen from Louisville so far this year and just knowing we have so much le- else in the tank that we haven't shown that we're going to pull out for this game. And it's... To use a, a dumb music reference, it's kind of like listening to the Beatles' first two albums, you know, kind of basic music. Later on, let's get this team into some of their, like, some of the genius of this offense and some of these players that we have. Some of those later albums. Well, the exciting thing is, you talk about the genius of the offense, we have yet to really see the genius of the, the Scott and Elliott combo. That's what I'm really interested in seeing. I'm, I would like to see what their offense looks like opened up with Deshaun Watson as quarterback and all the playmakers on the outside. Well, the defining quality or characteristic of the, the duo, the dynamic duo up at this point, has been very vanilla. I mean... Chad Morris was the mad scientist calling things like Sammy Watkins on a rollout pass. Um, you know, we, we saw him do double that. moves left and right. Sammy can't pass. Don't ever call that play again. <laughs> yeah, but you, that's the kind of that, that's kind of I mean, he was great. He could call some amazing games and, and just some some very creative uh, packages. But uh, that's he's kind of on one end of the spectrum so far. What we've seen and granted, it's small sample size. Really, the only game we've seen up to this point is Oklahoma. Everything else has just been him really concealing the playbook and now we'll see what we have uh, against a real team maybe maybe there is some uh, some like crazy stuff there that we don't know about well and that was Oklahoma with Cole Stout too yeah he didn't have a choice but to be vanilla in that game yeah so I mean we haven't seen him be able to call a game full throttle with Deshaun Watson and that's the exciting part it's like we're two games into this season and there's still so much more exciting things to happen that we haven't seen yet and we're gonna see a lot of those come out in this game Maybe not to the full extent. If, if we can get up early on Louisville, then don't open up your playbook all the way. Do whatever you need to do to put the game, the game away and win. Save that for Notre Dame. Save that for Georgia Tech. Yeah, and still anxious to see him just in general, just to see if he can be as, as good. Me and Tully talked about it last a uh, couple of days ago, just when the, when the bright lights are on this, or the, the spotlight is on you, and this is going to be a Thursday night game, you know, he, he did – he played on one leg against South Carolina in the biggest game of his career up at that point, and he and he, he had the beat best, him pretty handily. He had the best throw of his career against Georgia. That's like in his Sharanti goal line. Yeah, like his first college yards. throw, I think it was, was maybe. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. The it, kids got it. Uh, how about last week though? Can we talk about that? Fifty-eight yards, 
uh, to, to Sharon Peak. To peak again. Yeah. It was beautiful, but it was against it. Appalachian State, so I have to... Throws a little, the throw. A little grain of salt, but yeah, you're right. right. He said, I heard him in a press conference, he saw Sean Peak out the corner of his eye. I'm like, how do you see things out of the corner <laughs> of your eye when things are moving that fast? Well, because he's the second fastest player that Dabo's ever coached, uh, aside from uh, Jacoby Ford. That'll catch your eye. That's, I guess that's it. He just probably trusted him a little bit. But I'm anxious to see the pressure, the margin of error. It's going to be a little tight. There's going to be a pass rush. I want to see how good Deshaun Watson can be, as always. All right. Turns out we feel pretty good on offense, too. So, guys, maybe we can wrap this up before we do final predictions. What are you looking for this week? And, you know, on Friday when we recap this game, um, we'll touch on what we actually see in the game. But maybe real quick, rapid fire, Ben, start us out. On offense, what are you looking for? I'm looking for an improvement on things we were bad at last week. I, I want to see better uh, uh, sticking to our blocking assignments and no bad snaps. I want to see Guillermo come in there and just get the ball to Watson because don't open him up for, for turnovers or injury. Um, I want to see us establish the run game and really control the tempo, but also really open up the passing game and, and open up the playbook. The offensive line is going to be a continued progression. They need to do better than they did last week. Maybe it's a fact that we haven't run that many plays this year and people got used to our schemes. I don't know. Let's see what happens. And then I think Falcinelli is going to play. He's the second string center. He's going to come in. Let's see what he can do. That's what I see on the offensive side of the ball. Defense, different story. Uh, depends on who's starting quarterback for them. If it's Jackson, you got to bring the pressure, make him look like a true freshman. If it's Bowen, that's the secondary's first true test. He doesn't have a strong arm, but he has an accurate arm. Got to get pressure, disrupt, disrupt the passing game. Yeah, I'll, I'll be a little bit more abbreviated on offense. I want to see Wayne Gallman. I think he's not going to have as much push. He's going to have tight spaces to work in, and I want to see if he can, if, if what we've seen early on can translate against higher-level teams, um, teams with more athleticism. There's going to be a few yards there. He's going to have three yards. Is he going to be able to turn it into six, or is he going to you know, get a loss of two, which is we've seen both scenarios. Um, moving to the defensive side of the ball, plain and simple, we're, we're ranked number 10 so far, you said, Tully. So... I, I think this will be where we can either prove that ranking that we are we are that good, or we're maybe a you know top twenty five defense. But I don't I, I definitely um, think we're going to find out a little bit more. This is the best offense we faced. It might not be by a large margin as compared to Appalachian State, but we're going to find something out. Are we you know are we top ten? Are we top twenty five? Top thirty? Well, I think the lack of depth at linebacker does it get exposed. That would be the other other thing I say on defense. Um, especially what we talked about, about the you know the quick screens, the tight ends coming across the middle, the passing game there. I think we really need to take a look at that and, and, and see if that's going to be an issue moving forward. Yeah, I think for me, super quick, my key is offense, score early and often, keep that crowd out of it. I think we're up to the task. Defensively, let's get after whichever quarterback they trot out there. And I actually see this as Shaq Lawson's national coming out party. I could see him being you know thrust into the names of some of the top defensive ends in the country after this game. Um, they can say what they want about a, a capable tackle, but this is Shaq Lawson's night. And um, lastly, just special teams. We haven't really touched on it, and I think that's going to be the case tomorrow. Um, I think we'll win by a comfortable margin where field goals just don't matter. Or let's hope they don't. <laughs> kick coverage, please. Let's cover a kick. No more 30-yard runs. Or kick it out the end zone. Something yeah. that, that, was a, that was a detriment uh, last week against Appalachian State. So we really need to see some improvement there. 
Indeed. All right, predictions. Ben, score. How's, how's the game roll out? I think you're going to see a Clemson team that comes into a hostile environment on a Thursday night after a short week and and really you know, set itself on the national stage and put aside all the trepidation we've had in the past about a game like this. You're going to see Clemson control the game. Our talent is going to show through, and this is a new era of Clemson football. I say we win 38-17. Maybe Louisville gets out to an early touchdown, but we quiet the crowd, and we really control this game all the way through. We have superior talent on both sides of the ball, and we are... Nash, we are playoff contenders this year and a definite for next year. Louisville isn't even close this year, given what we've seen so far. Again, Clemson 38-17. We control this game. We win it going away. Yeah, I'm going to go kind of a sim- you know, similar path there and go 28-10. I think, uh, it's it, for one, I think that 10 points is going to be more scored not necessarily scored but it's going to be more uh, indicative of their defense and some field position and that 28 a little bit on our defense our defense is going to be better than their defense our offense i think it's going to i don't want to say it's going to struggle i think louisville's defense is is good enough to give us a little bit of trouble so that's 28 10 probably a lot of that pull it away coming in the second half i'm going maybe a little bit bold here i'm taking clemson 35 to 7 i think this will be a slow starting game for both teams on a short week. Uh, we'll be somewhat close early on, but we will pull away based on talent and just our defense really getting b- dialed back in and locking it down. So 35-7. to seven. Bring on the blackout. Cool. Before we wrap up tonight, um, let us look at some high-profile games around college football coming out this weekend. Um, the big one in the ACC and concerning really the, the rest of the polls as well, uh, number 14, Georgia Tech, takes their high-powered offense into South Bend for number eight, Notre Dame, who is going to be starting um, Kaiser, their true fresh, I'm sorry, he's a redshirt freshman quarterback uh, in that game. I think we're going to learn a lot. We play Notre Dame in our next game. We play Georgia Tech after that. So this will be great from a, a scouting and a film standpoint, uh, but also understand you know how expensive those game tickets are going to be. Yeah, I think given everything that Notre Dame's lost between you know starting quarterbacks, running backs, and now a starting uh, tight end, that it's easy to say that Georgia Tech's going to roll them easily in this game, uh, just because of who how they've looked so far this year, and they have a really good quarterback in that triple option system. However, this is Georgia Tech's first true test. They're on the road against a, a high profile team, so it, maybe it could go either way. I still see Georgia Tech winning this, um, and just because of all the injuries that Notre Dame has had to face. Yeah, I'm going to go Georgia Tech again. I mean, yeah, Notre Dame, lots of injuries. I think Georgia Tech, we, we'll, we'll see if they're the best of the ACC, but uh, I think up at this point they've proven that they are. Uh, elsewhere, number nine, Florida State travels to Boston College. They've looked to be a pretty capable team offensively so far this year. We'll see what they really get when they play some real teams, but um, Florida State on the road. They've been shaky in the first half of both of their games they played against much lesser opponents than BC. That game's also on a Friday night. Uh, BC, I wouldn't call it the most hostile environment. I've gone to a couple games there, but you know, not the easiest place to play either. So don't be surprised if BC's got a lead going into the third quarter on this one. I do think Florida State pulls it out. If they don't, that'd be great news. But um, I, I feel like BC um, maybe doesn't have the horses in this one. 
Yeah, it's no doubt in my mind that Florida State wins this game. I'm more interested in seeing how they look in this game. BC has played decent this year in their first two games. I mean, they're 2-0. and They haven't played any high-profile teams. Um, I still think Florida State wins. I'm just interested in seeing how they perform. Yeah, I'm with you, Tully. I think, I think this being a Friday night game, Boston College, I, don't, I mean, Florida State should win, but Boston College could win. And that would be great for us if we get into a situation where we're trying to battle for the Atlantic Division and they, they you know, get a, a loss early. Yeah, and you know, we want their ranking spot too um, in terms of just you know, jockeying for position nationally. Um, so we'll keep, be keeping all eyes on that one. Um, there are some other teams just in terms of that, you know, looking ahead of us in the polls, who's ranked higher. A lot of games that could be impacting that this week. Um, both in terms of who's ahead of us and who could jump us if they do win. Um, number 18, Auburn, again, a suspect ranking. They travel to number 13, LSU. Um, guys, who do, you, who do you think wins that one? Tough to say. I'm going to go I'm gonna go with LSU just um, based off of being at home for one and then Auburn looking very shaky up to this point. Uh, it's kind of disappointing. Auburn was really, I mean, they were top five. A lot of people predicted them to win the national championship, and that's looking like, it's not going to happen. But then, then again, you know, the incestuous SEC West, for all you know, the Auburn will beat LSU, and you, know, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's my biggest takeaway from this is, you know, whatever happens in the game is that these are two SEC teams that haven't looked great this year. So if Auburn beats number 13 LSU, do they get jumped back into the top 10 just the fact they beat a number 13 team? That's an amazing Probably. SEC road win, according exactly. to the pundits. Similarly, you've got number 15 Ole Miss who's put up the most points in all of FBS this year, traveling to number two, Alabama. Doubt they'll be able to put that put up that many points, even despite Chad Swag Kelly uh, going at quarterback for them. I feel like if Ole Miss does win, Bama probably won't drop too far. It's a number 15 team, uh, and Ole Miss will definitely jump us in the rankings. So go Bama. Yeah, no, I, I think exactly. This is interesting to Clemson because of how Chad Kelly plays being our former you know, former quarterback for Clemson. Otherwise, if Ole Miss beats Alabama, easily I see the, uh, the, the AP jumping Ole Miss in the polls over Clemson. And Alabama will fall to number three. Yeah. <laughs> just, just below Ole Miss number right, two. Right below, yeah. <laughs> Says nothing about the SEC West maybe being you know, inferior, not having any great teams, but it's just promote everybody, basically. It's what it seems like. It's the way of life. Um, elsewhere, there's just really three games that you know have, have other implications. We don't need to go into this. Uh, a reeling South Carolina Gamecocks team travels into Sanford Stadium in Athens, the number seven Georgia. Um, I think the dogs take care of business. BYU, number 19, they're coming off of two basically Hail Mary wins against Nebraska and Boise State. Um, they travel into um, the Rose Bowl to face number 10 UCLA and their freshman quarterback, Phenom. Um, that one could be a toss-up. I mean, UCLA uh, barely, they didn't cover against Virginia in week one. Uh, they didn't have that impressive a win in week two either. But uh, BYU, a much more talented team anyway, coming into town. We'll see if BYU's luck can run out there. Yeah, it's, it's a very sexy market, the LA market. So let's get them as high in the polls as we can, deservingly or not. Similarly, uh, number six, USC hosts Stanford. Stanford... Flying under the radar a bit. They lost to Northwestern on the road. Who knows how good Northwestern is? Um, and I then, don't think Northwestern has ever made a bowl game. They made the Rose Bowl in the 90s. Okay. 
Are you thinking of the NCAA tournament? No, there's something about Northwestern, maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. uh, Not a great storied program by any means. Uh, Stanford travels to USC. Potential upset, trap game loss uh, for the Trojans. You never know with Sark. That one might be a night game. He might be on some some pills or something. So uh, stay tuned for that one. But it would be great for us to see potentially UCLA, USC, uh, both drop out of the polls, move us closer to that top five. So now I do recall, yes, Northwestern was once good at football. Uh, Darnell Autry. I think it's the NCAA tournament I was thinking about. I will go back to the South Carolina-Georgia game real quick. I, as always, cannot root for South Carolina to win a game. But in this instance, I do want them to beat Georgia because South Carolina will not affect us in poll positions in any way if they win and move into the polls. But if Georgia loses, that's another spot for us to jump up. And again, given the voting, given the college football playoff format, we need to keep moving up in these polls. Again, can't root for them to win, but I hope they do. If that makes That's, sense. No, yeah, that makes no sense at all. I'm going to be... Are you going to be sitting there rooting for South Carolina? Can I'm going to wear that? a Gamecock sweatshirt. Because you went there for a year. Yeah. I'm rooting for the Gamecocks. It makes no sense not to root for them. I for can't one, physically root for them. It's just For one, the over... You, you mentioned it. Georgia's overrated. It gives the Gamecocks to lay that well. They're a better team than Vandy. They may give them a bigger game. I will not shed it's a in tear if South right. Carolina gets killed. I will. I'll be. Well, I won't be. I'll, whatever. We'll, I'll, I'll, we'll overtake Georgia. They play in the SEC, the mighty SEC. They'll lose eventually. Just but it'll also build up a little bit of SEC their West team. <laughs> it'll build up South Carolina's resume a little bit. I don't want them to just be a complete like crap show. We've made do with them being that plenty of times before. Hey, we're trying to win national championships now. Eighty-one, baby. All right, that may be all the time we have for today. Thank you, boys, um, and thank you all for listening. We will be back on Friday evening with a recap of the Louisville game. In the meantime, uh, set your DVR. On the West Coast here, it kicks off at 4.30. Uh, We will be at the bar watching that one, Um, but hopefully those going to the game have a ton of fun out there. Make sure you visit Bourbon Country because it is fun. And um, for those of you listening that have not yet subscribed, uh, feel free to check us out on iTunes. Uh, SoundCloud and Stitcher, or any really any podcast platform, we are there and findable. Um, and you can find us on Twitter and Facebook as well. So we appreciate the love, appreciate the comments that we've gotten um, elsewhere on the web. And until next time, go Tigers.